Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ryan Hayes with Access Radio Live. Um, I would like to welcome our sponsor, StreamSmart. Finally, a streaming box that replaces everything. The simplest way to stream movies, TV shows, live sports, music, and much more using your TV with no monthly fees. That means you can get rid of your cable bill, get rid of your satellite bill. Everything you want is in one place. StreamSmart's technology crawls the Internet to bring you the biggest streaming channel selections. Get access to 1 million, yes, I said 1 million HD movies and TV episodes whenever you want with no monthly fees. Stream smart. That's the way to go. It is football season, and let's be able to watch all the games, including the game with Stream Smart. Now, my show today, I will, I'm going to have a guest on. He was my former football coach in high school. He was the head coach at R.J. Reynolds High School in the late 90s. Um, and I was there from 1997, 98 to 2000, 2001. His name's Alex Mabin. I want to get him on the show because this is one man that has had the, one of the most positive impacts in my life. I still use the quotes that he said to us 17 years ago to the kids who I now coach on my club wrestling team. And the things that stand out, I remember quotes like, the greatest ability is, is dependability. Spit in one hand, wish in the other. See which one fills up the fastest. Winning isn't for everybody. I remember all that, and being 11 from a scale from from a scale from one to 10, being 11, and and all that stuff you take with you in life, and it's helped me to shape and mold me into the person I am today. And I would like to attribute Alex Mevin as the reason for this. Now I'm getting ready to bring Coach Mevin on. I have him. I have him on hold now on my in my uh, switchboard, and I'm getting ready to bring him on. Hey, Coach, you're live. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Freight Train. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I want to bring you on because it's funny because when we get when we as the football players that you coach during the during the years I named your your names often brought up, and some of them I know are listening live right now, and we just always wonder, you know, what are you doing these days? Well, uh, I appreciate you getting back in touch with me. I remember all the guys. I've never forgotten the guy that I coached. And uh, you noticed, for you listeners, I called Ryan Freight Train. That was his uh, nickname given to him by the colonel, Coach David Atkins, who's now at West Forsyth with Coach Snow, one of my, another one of my former players and assistants who spent some time at RJR. He's over there with Rick Lyles, and he's over there with Bill Oakley, and there's a whole host of them over there from, from my days at Reynolds. So, uh, what I'm up to now is I'm, I've retired from teaching, and uh, after 32 years in the saddle, and uh, but I'm still coaching, doing some work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes that I always work with, going on staff with them, and uh, got a little business on the side where I've been selling a few uh, helmet decals and locker room boards and things like that with a friend of mine, and uh, still coaching a little bit. So that's what's going on. Now, what school are you coaching at? 
I'm helping out at Graham High School. Um, I came back to Burlington three years ago with the plan to retire from my alma mater, Williams High School. I just helped out over there. When I retired, basically they, you know, there's a six-month period where you can't work for the state. While I was out, they, they went ahead and hired somebody for my spot, which, which certainly is understandable. And uh, I was, you know, thinking I might still be able to help over there. But they went ahead and moved ahead uh, with them not being sure what I was going to do. In the meantime, uh, Anthony Timmons, who actually is a former North Davidson and Winston-Salem State player from back in your day, Freight, I think he graduated from North in 98. Um, he's a head coach at Graham and a good friend, and he offered me a job helping out over there. So that's how I ended up at Graham. I, I got you. My, my question to you is, how has how has kids changed from the time you were coaching, you know, in the 90s all the way up to now? Um, at the base root of things, they haven't changed. Um, there are some things on the outside that may look different. You know, uh, hairstyles change. Popular sayings of the day change. Um, you know, they've got uh, new favorite hobbies and things that they like to do that maybe weren't around back then. But at the at the root of all things, kids have not changed. Kids are still kids. They want they want somebody to teach them. They want somebody to encourage them. They want somebody, even the hardheads who act like they don't want it deep inside, they really do want somebody to give them some discipline, to give them some direction in life. So in that sense, kids haven't changed one bit. You know, I'll I, I tell you what I've noticed, and that's just, it's it's probably a little bit of both, but it's probably either me just a little bit weaker, or these kids these days are just really strong, and they're they're more athletic, and I don't know what to uh, attribute that to, I, I always say that there's been a lot of uh, educational investments in uh, supplements and nutrition since I was in high school, and maybe that could be it, because uh, it seems like everybody's taking something for some sort of right. supplement for to, to for, for their performance-based, and, and I mean, I'm telling you, like, these kids today are strong, like, do you, have yeah. you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, there's no question that the prevalence of uh, of some products is out there. I think, in general, anyone, what I've always said about products like that, you should never put anything into your body unless you know what you're putting in there and, and you, you don't have uh, concerns about side effects and obviously you don't need to do something that's illegal, uh, which a lot of athletes try to do these days to gain an advantage. common denominator for getting better is hard work. It always has been and always will be. Um you try to cut corners in the long run, it's just going to cost you one way or the other. So, um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of information out there as well now, and I, I, that's what I attribute most of it to. For example, you can now go online and hit the YouTube, and you can see things that in the past coaches and athletes only at the elite level had access to in terms of going to a clinic or going to a trainer. Nowadays, you can click on a link for just about any type of training regimen out there and really get the same expert instruction that you used to have to maybe travel two or three hours to a clinic to see, and then you had limited access or you had to pay a lot of money. So the biggest difference in terms of the training regimens, which does make a big difference in, in the size and speed of the athletes, is the, uh, you know, the availability of information on the Internet. So that's what I attribute most of it to. And, you know, obviously there's always been people who tried to take shortcuts and get bigger and, and do things like that in terms of some of the illegal uh, substances, but, all you have to do is look at the sports page to see what kind of trouble that can lead to. And it's just 
you know, that's a, a no-win situation. Uh, even if you win in the short run, you're going to lose in the long run, which you know I've always preached that, do the right thing. And uh, so hopefully all the young men that you're seeing who are bigger and faster, stronger are doing it because of better information, better training, and, uh, and hard work. I, I would say so. I, I, I don't think – I hope they're not doing anything like that. It's funny. You know, I brought up the whole thing about getting uh, stronger. So it was about a year, Coach. I, I I sat and I let myself get out of shape, get lazy, and I was looking around through some old stuff, and I found an old, gray, bigger, faster, stronger workout book, and it had all of the uh, the workouts that we used to do, and I was seeing where I was and how how strong I was, and I'm thinking, you know, man, like I would would I love to get back to to that point. So. I actually took it and wrote the workout down on a separate sheet of paper, and I started using that workout again because, honestly, that was the only workout program I ever knew, and it, it had a positive impact on me. You remember the old Bigger, Faster, Stronger workouts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember my first exposure to Bigger, Faster, Stronger. I mean, I'd heard of it, uh, and I had basically, uh, you know, had had put together workouts based on my own experience from my days as a high school training, you know, that just evolved so much and changed so much. I felt like I was maybe a little outdated or, or at least wanted to learn some more. So I actually traveled down. I'm not sure if you went on that trip or not. We went down to East Carolina. I took about seven or eight guys from Reynolds. Uh, Calandus Williams went. I think Teddy Petrie might have gone. I know Jay Blair went. Um, and, and there were a few others that went. And basically, the president and founder of Bigger, Faster, Stronger, Dr. Greg Shepard, was there doing a clinic at the East Carolina facility. And I was really impressed not only with his knowledge and, and uh, of the actual training regimens, but I was real impressed with that whole 11 thing. And that's where I got that from. You know, on a scale from 1 to 10, being 11, uh, you know, as a person, as a student, as an athlete, they didn't just have the training part. They had the another part that I think many times coaches neglect. You know, you, you play with the mind and you play with the spirit as well. Uh, it's not just about the physical X and O's. It's about where your heart is, where your soul is. And, and, and obviously 11 being a part of a team was the other thing we, we emphasized with 11 was that in football there are 11 people working together and, and no individual is more important than the team. And you see that at, at, at the successful uh, successful pro teams have that. Uh, you know, the New England Patriots, whether you like them or not, whether they play the balls or not, that they have built their team on kind of guys that are willing to sell out, take a little less money, be a part of the team. Um, but anyway, so so that whole team idea I got from, from Bigger, Faster, Stronger, and I, I still use many, many elements of the Bigger, Faster, Stronger training principles in, in the workouts that I'm still doing with my athletes. That's great. Earlier, uh, we, we uh, you brought up Coach Snow. You know, and, and he working wonders over there at West for Sife. Have you have you been keeping up with him? Coach Snow's like a son to me. Uh, coach Snow uh, played for me. I was his uh, head coach his senior year in high school at Surrey Central up in Surrey County. Um, after he graduated, uh, he said he was asked him what he's going to do. He said, "I'm going to go to to Food Line. I got a good job at Food Line, and and I was desperate for some help. And I I thought he had the right kind of personality and makeup to be a good coach. And I, I didn't have an offensive line coach." I said, why don't you hang around going to the community college? He said, yeah. I said, look, why don't you help me out? So he helped me out that next year. He caught the bug and then changed his career path and decided to go to App State, major in education. 
He then came back and student taught under me at Reynolds. I then helped him get a job at Wiley Middle School where he was able to work and still be on my staff at Reynolds. He then left me to take the head job at Surrey Central. Um, he then came back to me at Reynolds uh, for my last year at Reynolds and helped me there. Uh, then ended up at West as an assistant. I then helped him get his uh, a second head job up at Watauga where I had a connection with a guy named Steve Breitenstein, whose son Eric was a great, great player at Watauga and Wofford. Um, and so through all those connections, then he ended up getting back to West, and he and I speak regularly. Uh, you know, he, he is still like a son to me, and uh, we speak regularly, and I've already been by a few times this year to, to see him. And, you know, Jerome Cannon, who I worked with at Four Bush, Rick Larrick, who I worked with at Ledford, is also on his staff. There's just a whole host of them over there, old Old Pat Murphy, who still helps out uh, when I was with Dave McConnell at Reynolds in 95. Pat Murphy was helping out. So they're just a lot of fond memories and, and good times that we had at West with those guys. Yeah, you, you have brought up your your last year at uh, at Reynolds. Here it is about, I want to say, maybe 14, maybe 15 years later. Can you say yeah. whatever happened with that now? Whatever happened with you having like having a step down? as the head football coach there. Yeah, well, well, yeah, that, that's something that there was a lot of confusion about, and I'm sure there's some people listening who might still be confused, and all I will do is say that I'm telling the truth, and there might be people who were involved who would dispute what I'm saying, and, and, and you can decide for yourself who you want to believe. Um, the truth of the matter is very simple. Uh, the principal, Stan Elrod, who's currently the uh, Forsyth County Athletic Director, called me on Sunday afternoon after the South Iredale game, and uh, we had two games left to go in the season. At the time, we were 1-8. and eight. We are just having a tough, tough season with a lot of young players. Uh, we were competing well, coming close. Our JV team at that time was, in fact, undefeated, even though we had six sophomores moved up. Nobody was quitting the varsity team, so I felt strong about the program. In fact, Friday night after the South Iredell game, Coach Snow can attest to this. We sat on the floor in the laundry room there at Reynolds, and Coach Snow asked me the question, do you think he'll let you go? Now, we were assuming at the end of the season, you know, sometimes if you have a tough year, principals make decisions. And let me be quick to say, look, Stan Elrod was the principal. I respected his authority. He has a right to do whatever he wants to do. He hired me, and he can fire me. Okay, so that I'm not saying Stan Elrod was out of line for deciding to let me go simply saying that, you know, my response to Coach Snow was no, no. And I, and I said, look, look at our JV team. He knows we've got six sophomores up. He knows we're, we're fine. Uh, we're struggling. Uh, anybody, you know, we lost two quarterbacks that should have been our quarterbacks. Joe Booth had moved away to Fuquay Varina. William Conrad had not maintained his eligibility. When you lose two quarterbacks, that group of seniors had been undefeated, 9-0-1, as a JV team, but we had some key losses and we had a few injuries and, you know, it was just a tough year. So I didn't think that that would be a problem, but Mr. Elrod called me in, my wife and I went in together and he told me that he had decided to remove me as the head coach at RJ Reynolds. Now, I think what he would say was he didn't fire me because that is what he said to me, uh, you know, in maybe the next week or two or indirectly he said it to me. Um, what he did is he offered me a job as an assistant for the rest of the year. And I would simply say to you, if someone comes in and says you are no longer the head coach, 
whether they say I want you out of rentals or whether they say you're no longer the head coach, I want you to be an assistant, that to me is being fired as the head coach. So maybe he would disagree with that. If he does, you can talk to him about that. Bottom line is he told me I was no longer the head coach. He gave me some reasons, none of which I thought were legit. Again, that's just my opinion. doesn't make Stan Elrod a bad guy. He has a right to his opinion, and he has a right to hire and fire who he wants to. So if anybody's hearing this and wants to run to Stan Elrod, or if Stan Elrod's listening, no hard feelings, no bitterness, respected that authority. But the fact is, yes, he fired me as the head coach at Reynolds with two games left in the season. There were many people who assumed that if a coach is let go in the middle of a the season, there must have been some impropriety, must have been something going on. I'm telling you right up, straightforward, nothing of the sort. There were no improprieties. In fact, what I pointed out to people was, look, I still had my teaching job at Reynolds. If there had been some kind of sexual or immoral impropriety, I wouldn't have been able to keep my teaching job and have offered me a job as an assistant. But what he answered, and rightly so, to people who called and asked was, it's a personnel issue, I'm not allowed to comment on it. Well, what did people assume when they heard that? Oh, Alex must have done something wrong, and Mr. Elrod's protecting him. Now, I don't know what his motive was in doing that, but he certainly was not speaking inaccurately to say it was a personnel issue. But you can see how people would start putting two and two together and assuming that Alex had done something wrong. All I had done was coach a team that was at one and eight, and in his opinion, he thought new leadership was needed, and that is absolutely his right and prerogative to make that decision. And my last official dealing with him face-to-face was when I shook his hand and told him I thought he was making a mistake in letting me go, that I thought I was the right person to lead this program, but that I respected his right as principal to do otherwise, and I thanked him, in fact, for giving me the opportunity to be the head coach at Reynolds. So in no way, shape, form, or fashion did Alex Nevin, A, do anything, you know, some, something unethical or immoral or illegal to get fired with two games left. That was Stan Elrod's decision. It was a personnel issue, but there was nothing, there was no shroud of secrecy. There was nothing he was protecting me from, we'll assume, when they hear, quote, unquote, personnel issue. Okay, so, like I said, I'm assuming if Mr. Elrod was listening to this, I would hope he would say, yeah, that's true. I don't know what he might say. Uh, And if you want to believe me and believe I have integrity and would speak the truth, I have just told you the truth of my situation at Reynolds. So, once I was given the option of remaining as an assistant, I did not think that would be good for anybody involved for obvious reasons. I remained at the school. I took about a week off just to kind of collect myself, remained at the school, looked for employment elsewhere, was offered a job at West Forsyth. Uh, That did not work out because of uh, snafu at the central office, which I'm going to choose not to go into. Um, I was, in fact, offered a job by Kurt Telford. He will verify that. Uh, There was something that was done, and I'm not going to mention what was done, uh, but there was something done that was not right that kept me from taking that job that Mr. Telford had offered me, found out what had been done. He was very upset and said, Alex, I can still hire you. Uh, Do you want me to? And I said, you know what? I just think it's probably best if I leave Forsyth County if there's going to be this much controversy. I had two daughters who were getting ready to be in school there. I didn't want them to have to go through people thinking their dad had done something wrong or something was wrong. So I then decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to find a job. I went to East Davidson for a semester, and then was hired by Ledford to coach the next year. So you have now heard, everybody now, 
who has ears to hear or who is listening has heard from Alex Mebbin what I'm saying is the truth about my situation at R.J. Reynolds. And I stand by every word, and I have no bitterness or ill will towards Stan Elrod. I want to emphasize that to anybody who would want to twist or misuse anything that I've said. He had every right to hire me. He had every right to fire me. But if people think that it was because of some impropriety, that is absolutely not the case. And Stan Elrod was correct in saying it's a personnel matter, but I think people assumed because of that statement that there was something amiss. That is it. You have heard the truth. I appreciate that. You know, I, every time, it's, it's because every time when you hear someone has been let go for a personnel matter, it's always two weeks later you figure out they were charged with something. Of course, I know that wasn't the case for you. Of course it wasn't that, the case. Like why, I said, I, was yeah. still, I still have my job at Renner. That's what I try to tell people. If there had been something I was yeah. charged with, how could I still be at Reynolds? He offered me a job as yeah. an assistant, and that was his way. He got very upset the next day when there was a headline by Mason Linker that said, Alex Nevin fired. I still have a copy of it. I can show it to you. Okay, I've saved that in my scrapbook. You know, you got a Hall of Fame and you got a Hall of Shame. But I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of any, you know, I'm not ashamed of that because, like I said, it's just, it happens sometimes. But, yeah, um, he was upset about me telling Mason I'd been fired, and his stance on that was I didn't fire him. Well, no, he didn't fire me as a teacher, but he did, in fact, fire me as the head coach because he said you're no longer the coach. He may still disagree with that, but we're just talking about semantics. Let's be honest. If you're told right. you're no longer the head coach, you have been fired as a head coach. Yeah, that, that's what I would assume I – I think it's just a slap in the face for him to turn around and then offer you an assistant coach position at that same school. Now we all know like that 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 just isn't sure. right. But um, sure, yeah. Back to uh, back back to other things. You ever uh, you remember old uh, the, the 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 guy that used to help coach out Zenner out, Maurice Atwood? You remember him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Old Coach Atwood, uh, he helped us out with football uh, for at least one year when he was trying to get yeah, on at Reynolds. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know he. he that guy won eight straight undefeated state titles at Parkland. Now he's at West Forsyth. You, you, yeah, what, what do you think about that? Did you ever keep? Have you, did you ever keep up with him at some point or read about that stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I knew of Coach Atwood. I still keep up with with all the folks at Forsyth County. But like I said, Coach Snow is like a son to me. I've got I've got all kinds of personal friends. Who worked? You know, David Small stayed at Reynolds as an assistant principal, who was one of my assistants. He's now assistant at principal at West Forsyth. He's still a very close friend. Many of the players I stayed in contact with. I could name on and on and on all the folks who I still stay in contact with. So yeah, I knew what was going on in Forsyth County and kept up with with all the folks from there, including Coach Atwood, and, and knew what was going on with, with wrestling and his success there. Yeah, uh, I, I know Coach Small had left it. Have you heard anything about Reynolds, man? You know, actually, that that school has changed for like the worst. You know, I'm still I'm still living in the West End area. I still pass by it. Uh, have you heard anything about it? Like, do you know what's going on in that school? No, not really. I mean, I actually do have a close friend who teaches there. She's a actually she's a close friend of my wife, um, who still teaches there. Uh, her name is uh, Mary Bergstrom, I believe. I know what her maiden name was. I'm pretty sure her married name is Bergstrom. Um, she teaches there, so she keeps me in tune. I'm always asking her about Reynolds, and uh, no, I mean I'm I'm aware of some general demographic shifts at at Reynolds High School, and and that's the kind of thing you see in a lot of city schools these days. 
a lot of the older schools, you know, people are shifting out to, you know, to get in the newer neighborhoods, the nicer neighborhoods, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. So there's a demographic shift that I'm aware of. But, you know, I, I haven't been in the halls of Reynolds High School since 2001. So other than what I hear from people like you and, and Coach Snow and folks like that, I, I don't really know for sure what's going on. You know, I, and, and I know you got to go real soon, but, you know, I would not, you know, I, I, I would like nothing more than to see my old high school football team become a better football team. But did you know they went out and hired a head coach who is a community coach. Now, that could work in some sports, but not in your biggest revenue sport. And, you know, what is your take on uh, a principal going out hiring a community coach to be a head coach who has no high school coaching experience, period? Yeah, well, let, let me say this first, and I don't want you to think I'm just trying to answer a certain way, but I, I hope I've gotten wiser as I've gotten older. Um, and here's the bottom line, and I'm going to go back to what I mentioned when I was talking about Stan Elrod earlier. The person who is in charge, whether he's the principal, the superintendent, the athletic director, the head coach, has every right and prerogative to make decisions that they think are in the best interest of their school or their team or their school system. Okay? There's always a, a, a check and balance system, and, and, and everybody has somebody who's looking over the job they're doing. And, you know, if a superintendent feels like a principal is to the point where a change needs to be made, then he makes that change. Otherwise, he supports that principal. Same thing as a head coach. If a principal feels like a head coach, it's to the point where he, he just feels like a change has to be made, then he makes that change, and you understand that. There's a, a certain respect for authority that I understand. Whether I agree with the decision or not it is not relevant. So let me, again, be very quick and say, I don't even know who the principal is at Reynolds right now. So I would say that in general, when there are many, many qualified people with experience who have applied, which was the case at Reynolds, I know a lot of the people who applied, and you go out of the box and hire someone with no high school coaching experience, then you're going to set yourself up for possible criticism. But that doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. First of all, he has a right to do that as a principal. Second of all, this guy could do a great job. I don't know him personally. He was a player at North Carolina. I, I remember him when he played at North Carolina. You know me. I mean, you know, I played there for two years as a walk-on, and I'm a big Tar Heel fan. And look, he might do a lot better job than somebody who has. Just because you have quote unquote high school experience doesn't make you a better coach than someone who has Pop Warner experience. So time will tell. And I don't think the main issue is does he know football or not. <laughs> I'm sure he's already found this out. There's a lot of things that go into being a high school coach that have nothing to do with. X's and O's. They have to do with making sure the laundry's done, making sure you get equipment order, make sure you, you know, you have a system, a program in place to deal with academics, to deal with, you know, monitoring kids' academics, to, you know, to deal with all the things in, in the, the course of a school day that that are related to being a football coach. Um, you know, there are many, many other hats you have to wear, which maybe he was aware of and maybe he wasn't. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, he may not like it. I mean, he may be to the point where he's saying, man, I didn't realize I had all this. Or he may be be fine and be saying, hey, this is a piece of cake. So my opinion, first of all, is really irrelevant because I'm not the one in charge. But but I do understand that if someone makes that kind of decision, a lot of people are going to be critical and say, hey, why would you do that? The guy doesn't have any experience. So that's my two cents on that. I, I got you. The only, the only reason why I always – I don't want to say proud upon it. Like I said, it it, it, my opinion is irrelevant just as much as it is yours. You, that's somebody that you have to have there 
just in case if something happens. You know, you got to get information out to your kids. Uh, one of your kids might get in trouble, and you might be able to go to that teacher and maybe right. finagle something to where he doesn't get growed up and go to ISS on a Friday and not be able to play that Friday night. I mean, there's just so much going on with having yeah. your head coach as a, on staff at, at the school. Yeah. You know, and, and if he hasn't experienced that, at some point he will, and it may be it, it, it might be the difference in a football game. Now, right now, they they actually won a game against uh, Southwest Guilford, which is good because I don't think they won a game all last year. So I mean, that, I guess that's a that's a start. Then they lost forty eight zero to East Forsyth, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, who isn't losing to East Forsyth these days? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I wish they got the best. You know, they're trying to build a brand new stadium over there. Have you heard about that? Yes, I think yeah, you know, and that was where some of the criticism came in. I wasn't going to mention that but since you brought it up. And again, I'm telling you what people perceived over there in Forsyth County. I'm not saying this is the case. So again, anybody listening, don't say that Alex Method said this was the case. I'm saying there were many people in Forsyth County who said to me, "We think that he was hired because of his abilities, being a banker, being a financial planner, whatever it is, something in finances." He's well-connected to a lot of people who have money and influence, and we all know that if you're wanting to uh, build a new stadium or a big project like that, you've got to have money, you've got to have some power, you've got to have some influence. And a lot of people perceived that he was being hired because of his potential to be able to generate support for and generate funds for a stadium. I'm not saying that is why he was hired. You would have to ask the principal what his true motive was there. That is what many people perceived in the coaching ranks, and that is why many people in the coaching ranks were saying, this isn't right, this isn't right, they're just trying to hire somebody to get some money, and they're not really hiring someone who has, you know, high school coaching experience, and it looks like, at the time, it looked like most of the staff, you know, was going to, they were going to be people who didn't have high school coaching experience, not on campus, not in touch with the kids, Um, that was the perception out there. I don't know if, if any of that is true. You would have to ask the principal why he hired the guy, okay? You'd have to ask him that. But there were people who right. thought that and felt that way, and there, I think that was a lot of the talk that was going on. I'll, I'll tell you who he did pick up as two assistants. He picked up Rod Dunlap and Jay Blair. So, I mean, those are pretty pretty good, smart picks by him because uh, those are two right. guys you uh, yeah. coached. Right. And those two guys you, are great – Great, great football player. So, yeah. So, again, I'm not being critical of what he's done. I'm not saying you can't be a good coach if you're not on campus. What I am saying, if you're not on campus, you can't deal with some of the day-to-day things as well as you can if you are on campus. You know, just right. that simple. You, you can't deal with it as well. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Um, so, the principal was there. He hired this coach. Two weeks later, he actually retired and went to, like, barber or beauty school. That happened. Now there's a principal there named Miss Alexander, but before Miss Alexander uh, got there, Tony Mills was the interim principal until Miss Alexander got situated, and I believe she was from uh, she was from Kennedy actually. But that's so, okay. so that's the principal that is over. Yeah, that's the principal that is over there now. And the coach, the head coach at Reynolds, his name's Pat Crowley. What he is is he's in investment for Wells Fargo, and I actually went up there to actually interview him, and I didn't realize that. Guess who else works up there? You remember Conrad Graham? He works up there for Wells Fargo and Investment. Yeah. Yeah, you talking about Conrad Jr., little Conrad who kicked for us? Yes. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, he yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'll tell yeah. you this again. Those three names that you've named, Rod Dunlap, Rod Dunlap, so again, I'm getting ready to hurt some feelings of some people I've coached, okay? Uh, because I've coached uh, the, the, the quote-unquote most accomplished player I've ever coached was a young man named Leon Johnson, who I coached at Morgan of Freedom, who ended up being an all-star at Carolina and played for at least 10, 11, 12 years in the NFL. So in terms of accomplishing at the pro level, Leon Johnson's the best player I've ever coached. But as far as actually being a player, Rod Dunlap is the best high school football player I've ever coached or seen. The best player. Now, you know Rod, and I love him, and if he's listening, Rod, forgive me here, but you weren't always, you know, he wasn't always the hardest worker in practice in terms of doing the drills just right. I'm not saying he was sorry or a loafer. Uh, you know, he would take some shortcuts and not always use the right technique, but there's no question he was a competitor, no question he came to play every Friday night. The best high school football player as far as just being able to play of anyone I've ever coached or seen play. Uh, Jay Blair, I don't even. I could write a book on Jay Blair. Uh, Jay Blair's story I still use regularly um, in terms of what he overcame. Uh, in fact, his nephew is starting uh, defensive back at Elon, and I have strong ties there because the kid I'm very close to and I coached at Williams is now at Elon. So I've reconnected uh, with Crystal, also his mom, who I taught math to. Uh, uh, you know, so I have a lot of strong feelings toward the Blair family. Talk Coach Corey as well. Jay Blair, as, as many uh, know, went to East Carolina. He was going to walk on at A&T. He got overlooked and bypassed. Uh, I got Jay up to the airport in uh, early July when they had a scholarship pop open at East Carolina. Coach Steve Logan met him. Coach uh, Jim Webster was the assistant who I had tried to get to recruit him, and uh, we got on the phone with him and. It's just a great success story. Jay goes down, gets a scholarship. He starts for three years, plays in NFL Europe, makes it to the final cut two different times uh, with NFL teams and was the actual defensive player of the year one year in NFL Europe. A lot of people probably don't know that. Um, and last time I talked to him, he was uh, managing a uh, a car place, uh, one of the, the car places down in Thomasville. Um, I can't think right. of the name of it. So, anyway, if he's hired those two guys to help him, they will do a great job, and he is very smart for hiring them, okay? And um, so that's a credit to Pat Crowley for hiring uh, such quality people. And if Conrad Graham's involved again, Conrad Graham, what a great player, what a great kid, great family. So kudos to the coach for, for, for hiring those guys if he has. Yeah, you know, I think Jay Blair is working as a as a manager for Enterprise Rental Car. Yeah, that sounds actually... right. That sounds right. And he actually was hired on as a branch manager for Wells Fargo, for the Wells Fargo branch home off of Martin Luther King there, uh, Boulevard here in Weston. Now, I don't think he's no longer doing that anymore, but I, I don't know what he's doing now. But I've ran into him a couple times, and, you know, he, like I said, he, he's coaching over there, and, you know, that, that's what it's going to be. But I know you got to go, so if you don't have anything else to share, Coach, I, I, I'll let you go. But it was great talking to you. And I'm glad to know that you're doing well and your kid's doing well. I think you mentioned that your your kid, you know, was top top four in the state in swimming. And I mean, so I'm glad everything around you is is positive, man. And I I hope nothing but more positive positive energy your way. So I appreciate sure. you having me. Well, Ryan, sure. yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to call. I hope that a lot of people have have heard this that are 
still in the Winston area, and I hope they could be blessed by it. You know, and I, I hope that people understand, you asked me a question about my situation at Reynolds, and, you know, I didn't get up and broadcast it, but you asked me, and I told you the truth, and I think I expressed that respectfully. I wouldn't want anybody to take any of that out of context. It was a very difficult time in my life, and I did have some bitterness and resentment at one point, but I no longer have that. I've moved on, and uh, I see it as, as God's way of moving me through different things to, 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 to shape and mold me so that I can, can be used by him. And that's the last thing I, I would want to leave with, with any listeners and any of my former players. Um, when it's all said and done, it's not about how many games you won. It's not about whether you got hired or fired. It's about relationships. It's about being committed to a cause. And I'm stealing that from the great Joe Ehrman, who uh, who wrote a book uh, several years ago. It's a great book to read. I believe it's called A Season of Life, a former Syracuse All-American and uh, Colts lineman who actually had a son at Wake Forest a couple years ago. It might still be there. Wrote a great book, and he said it all boils down to relationships, and that's why you and I are still talking, and that's why I'm talking about, you know, Coach Snow and Coach Lyles and, you know, Mike Russell, whose name I've not mentioned. What a what a competitor. I could go on and on and on. Uh, you know, um, uh, Rod Dunlap, Jay Blair, and I, I don't even want to offend people by leaving names out. You know, David Small, one of my assistants. So so what that just proves that it is about relationships, okay? Um, and it's about being committed to a cause. And the cause that I'm committed to is the cause of Christ. Um, I am a Christian man. I certainly have stumbled and fallen and sinned many times and still struggle with it, but that is where I place my hope. That's where I place my purpose and direction. And my encouragement out there to any of my former players or to anyone who's listening is to 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 carry on that same cause in your life if you really want to be successful. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. That's my encouragement to all my former players. I hope that's a blessing to someone who doesn't know me and hears it. And I'm just going to keep pressing on. We're off to a tough start over at Graham. We've had a lot of key injuries. In fact, my starting quarterback's a Wake Forest commit, so y'all will be seeing him up there in Forsyth County next year. And he's been out for two weeks. And I've got a young kid. And the good news is I'm having a chance to really help and encourage him and help him through the adversity. And uh, so, you know, you never know what kind of adversity you're going to face, but you face it square on. You roll up your sleeves. You go to work. That would be my kind of parting speech. And I'm sure there are some players out there who have ever listened to this are saying, oh, no, Coach Madden's going on and on and on again. And, uh, yeah, I do, but it's because I care. And, uh, obviously, you remembered a few things that I said about dependability and ability and winning's not for everybody and spitting one hand and wishing the other. So, obviously, those speeches hopefully help somebody out a little bit. Yes, sir, Coach, and it definitely helped me out in my life. And once again, I do appreciate you coming on. And hopefully you'll get up there to a game at West Forsyth and I'll be able to talk to you personally. Yeah, I'm, I want to get up and just spread spread my word, give my number to all the guys, tell them to give me a text. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'm still coaching, so I can't be up there on Friday night. But I'll be up there after the season, maybe check a playoff game out if we're not in the playoffs and uh, try to reconnect. All right, Coach, thanks, uh, thanks for being on show uh, and i'll let you get going all right great talking to you freight train hey guys that was coach alex mabin um it was great to hear from him and i know that the guys that he coached back in the rj reynolds day, rj reynolds days there were days that we didn't like the man and there were days we didn't love the man 
I wasn't the best football player at Reynolds. I gave it all I did in practice. Um, I gave people the best look I could on the scout team, and I believe scout team is the, the, the reason, you know, that you were able to have a positive success on a Friday night because you got to give that team the right look of what they're what they're going to be coming up against on a Friday night. Being a, being a good scout player is like being a good sparring partner or someone that's getting ready for a fight because you got to almost mimic your opposition. So um, that was that was the gist of you know how football was for me. Now I mean I, I got in the game ever so often and see I, I wish I would have brought up if Coach Mebbin was still on the phone. I know he would definitely remember the time I put myself in the game. I put myself in the game at left tackle. I was there for two days, for two days, excuse me, plays before uh, Kent Edwards, a.k.a. Mr. Travis, noticed I was in there and, and sent somebody in to get me out. And, and I tell you, I got the, I really got the bitch out of my life on the sidelines there. But, I mean, those are all fun memories that I've had playing football. I think one time I got Coach Adams, who's at West now, beating a hot dog on the sideline, and my dad reached over the fence on a Friday night and gave to me because I was like, I'm hungry. I'm not going to get in the game. As I'm eating the hot dog, left tackle goes down, and Coach Evers is telling me to get in the game, and he sees me eating his hot dog. He's like, you know what, stay back on the sideline, rightfully so, because I should have been eating a hot dog on the sideline. But, you know, at you know, looking back on it now, I uh, you gotta admit that was pretty funny. Um, but like I said, great interview. Um and I hope everybody that was listening to this interview I'm gonna I hope you guys enjoyed enjoyed the interview and everybody was listening to it. Now you know Coach Mavis doing well. And I think some of you guys had hit me up on Facebook about the interview. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because he told me to. I'm gonna message you guys his number. I'm pretty sure he would love to hear from you. Um, this is Ryan Hayes with Access Radio Live, and thanks for listening in.